to the Redemption Podcast. We hope you're blessed by today's message. To every individual under the sound of my voice, empower, enable, and strengthen me to deliver this message as you have delivered it to me. Lord, I take no ownership or authorship or credit because I know that every good and perfect gift comes from above. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. We're starting a sermon series today on trusting God. I want to begin this series with a message that I have entitled, I Don't Understand, I Know. I don't understand, I know. Romans 8.28 says, okay, I'll quote it to you. And we know that all things, we know this is supposed to be something that is universally known. We know. Every member of the church Everyone who is a believer, we know all things. Not just some, but all things work together. Work in collaboration with each other. We know that all things work together for good. To them that love God. Anybody love God? To them that love God and who are called according to his purpose. Let me ask you, do you trust God to accomplish this in your life? Do you? Do you trust God to take everything that happens in your life and work it out for the good? You're answering awful quick. Do you trust God to take the tears and the smiles, the victories and the defeats, the good times and the bad times, the ups and the downs? Do you take him, do you trust him to take all things and work it out for the good? I know you're clapping, but some of you get tore up when trials come. I don't feel like you're being honest this morning because you fall apart every time something happens in your life. I know you're saying, I trust God. But sometimes you don't act like you trust him. Now, if you do trust God to accomplish Romans 8.28 in your life, Fantastic. If you don't, I want you to know that it won't change what God's going to do. God's going to be God whether you trust Him or not. God's going to fulfill His purpose whether you trust Him or not. God's going to carry out His plan whether you trust Him or not. God doesn't need you to trust Him for Him to be who He is. 
if you are a person of integrity and character, you're the same person of integrity and character whether people trust you or not. God's going to be God whether you trust him or not. What I'm saying to you is that trusting God is not for his benefit. It's for yours. Trusting God helps you to have joy and peace and contentment. Trusting God helps you to maintain your hope and faith regardless of what's going on around you. Trusting God helps you to cope with and come through the chaos of your life. A perfect example of this is found in Mark chapter 4. Jesus and the disciples were on a ship and they were stranded in the middle of a storm. This was by far the worst storm that they had ever encountered. It was the worst storm that they had ever experienced. And the disciples were responding to this situation in a way that you would expect. They were stressed out. They were worried. They were anxious. They were fearful. They were losing their minds. They were freaking out. But Jesus was asleep. It was the same ship. It was the same storm. It was the same situation. It was the same chaos. It was the same tragedy. So why did Jesus and the disciples have such radically different responses to it? It's because Jesus trusted God and the disciples didn't. God was God of the storm, whether he was trusted to be or not. The benefit of trusting God is not seen in God, but in the response of those who trust him compared to those who don't. Trusting God is not about how it affects him. It's about how it affects you. It's so that you can keep your senses when trials and tribulations and hardship and adversity comes your way. Trusting God has nothing to do with Him and everything to do with you. It's not a for His benefit. It's for yours. So if you're going to make it through the storms and struggles of life, you're going to have to learn how to trust God. Trusting God is important. But have you ever wondered why it's so difficult to do? I know just a moment ago you were smiling. I always trust the Lord. I always do. But when you don't have enough money to pay your bills, you don't look like you trust Him. When the doctor says you've got an illness that he can't fix, you don't react like you trust Him. When you get laid off, you don't react like you trust him. It's important for us to trust God. So why is it so difficult for us to do? When I was preparing this message, I asked Carrie why she trusted me. And I was assuming that she did. And my assumption was correct. She said she trusted me because of my honesty, because of my integrity, because of my character, because of my past record, and because she was convinced that I love her. 
And as she was giving me those responses, you should have gasped there. That was really sweet. You missed it. It's, I don't want your gasp now. It's too late. But as she was giving me those responses, I could not help but think to myself, if that's the standards by which we determine who and what we trust, then it should be easy to trust God. God's never committed a sin. God's never told a lie. God's never betrayed anyone. God's never let anyone down. God's never forsaken those who seek Him. God has a flawless past record and He loves us in a way that we will never fully comprehend. On paper, it should be easy to trust God. So why is it so difficult to do in reality? At times it's difficult to trust God because there's so many things we don't understand. There are so many things that we don't get that we can't comprehend. Imagine yourself in this scenario. You're laying on a bed. You're being held down by several people. You're hurting, you're bleeding, and you're in pain. Someone there is intentionally doing something to cause you even more pain. And those who claim to love you are standing idly by watching this series of events unfold. It sounds like something out of a horror movie. How trusting would you be in that situation? Not very. Why? Because there's so many elements to that situation that you don't understand. At times, it's difficult to trust God because there are situations that arise in our life in which we don't understand who, what, when, where, why, or how. Someone we love is diagnosed with cancer. We get laid off. Our spouse has an affair. Our ministry struggles. And it's difficult to trust God because we don't understand why He would have allowed that to happen. We don't understand why He hasn't intervened. We don't understand why He hasn't moved on our behalf. So one thing that is very important for you to understand is that if we limit our willingness to trust to our ability to understand then we will never fully trust God. If we limit our willingness to trust to our ability to understand then we will never fully trust God. So Trusting is not about understanding what. It's about knowing who. Josh, come up here. Come up. Stand right here. I need you to look me in the eye. Don't look away. And I need you to trust me enough to do exactly what I tell you to do. Okay? I want you to fall backwards. <laughs> Don't laugh. You make them nervous. I want you to fall backwards. If Josh is going to do what I'm asking him to do, wait just a second. If Josh is going to do what I'm asking him to do, 
It'll be because he believes there's something happening that he can't see. If he does what I'm asking him to do, it'll be because he believes there's something happening that he doesn't understand. It'll be because he believes there's something happening that he's not aware of and that he's not accounted for. If Josh falls backwards, it won't be because he knows what's happening or what will happen. It'll be because he trusts me. Trusting is not about understanding what. It's about knowing who. It's not about understanding everything that's happening around you. It's about knowing who you've placed your trust in. Which is why Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. But pastor, you don't understand. My marriage is strained. My children are rebelling. My car just broke down and I don't have the money to fix it. My boss has an attitude. There's rumors going around that everyone is getting laid off. Read it again. It says trust in the Lord. You're not trusting in your perception of the situation. You're trusting in the person of the Lord. Give the Lord some praise. Josh, you can go sit down. You're not trusting in your perception of the situation. You're trusting in the person of the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your... You don't trust with your head. You trust with your heart. Trust is birthed out of fellowship, not isolated facts. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You can't lean on your own understanding because your own understanding will let you down. Your own understanding will cause you to make faulty assumptions, jump to wrong conclusions, and end up in the wrong place. Your own understanding will cause you to think the wrong thing and respond based on how something appears rather than what it truly is. Your own understanding will cause you to be suspicious of every unfamiliar number on your spouse's phone. Your own understanding will cause you to take something innocent and respond to it as if it's sinful. So trusting God is not about understanding what He's doing. It's about knowing who He is. The key to trusting the Lord is knowing who He is. We don't trust strangers. We all have a healthy suspicion of strangers. Regardless of how much they smile, regardless of how nice they seem, regardless of how well-intentioned they may be. We all have a stranger danger instinct that keeps us from getting in the van with the nice man who's offering us candy and puppies. We don't trust who we don't know. The reason that some of you are having such a difficult time trusting God in your situation is because you haven't really invested in your relationship with Him and now you're in the awkward position of trying to trust someone who you don't know very well. Trusting is not about what, it's about who. Look at Psalms chapter 9 verse 10. It says, those who know your name will trust you, O Lord. 
For you have never forsaken those who seek you. Those who know your name will trust you. If they know you, they'll trust you. If we know the Lord, there's only one possible conclusion. We will learn to trust Him. The more we know Him, the more we'll trust Him. We won't trust Him because we understand what He's doing. We'll trust Him because we know who He is. So the premise of this entire sermon series will be reinforcing what you know about the Lord so that you can learn to trust Him in a greater way. That's what this whole series is about. Knowing the Lord deeper so that you can trust Him in a greater way. When I first began this message, I showed you Romans 8.28. And I asked you if you trusted God to take everything that happens in your life and work it out for the good. And many of you said yes. Some of you, though, you weren't sure about it. We'll never understand how he does it. But if we're going to trust him to do it, I think it would help to have an idea of what the end result is supposed to look like. Josh, Ted, bring my table up here. Give Josh and Ted a hand clap. Best table carriers ever. Look at that technique. Right here. Okay, stand right there. Yeah. We'll never understand how God does Romans 8.28 in our life. But if we're going to trust Him to do it, it would help to know what the end result is supposed to look like. I have up here a thousand-piece puzzle. And if I pour out all of these pieces and I start looking over them, I notice that they're all a different shape. They're all a different size. They're all different colors. And as I look over them, it becomes hard to believe that it all fits together. It becomes hard to believe that it all fits in a seamless kind of way. But you know what? If I had an idea of what the overall picture is supposed to look like, then it helps me to trust that there is a place and a purpose for every piece. I may not know what that place and purpose is, but if I have an idea of what the picture is supposed to look like, it helps me to trust that every piece is significant, that every piece has its place, that every piece has a purpose, that every piece fits into something that's bigger than itself. Now Romans 8.28 tells me that God is going to put the pieces together but it doesn't give me an idea of what the end result is supposed to look like. We quote this verse all the time. God's going to put the puzzle together. But we don't know what the end result is supposed to look like. We don't know what the picture is supposed to be. We don't know 
what picture the puzzle of our life is supposed to create. What exactly does for the good even mean? We know he works out all things for the good. Did he work out all things for the good when Peter was crucified upside down? Did he work out all things for the good when James was beheaded? I mean, it's, it's real easy for us to sit up in the sanctuary with climate control and go home to our nice houses and drive our nice cars and say God works out everything for the good. But did he work out everything for the good when John was stranded on an island by himself? Did he work out everything for the good when Paul was cast into prison? What exactly does for the good mean? Because it can't mean what I think it means. Because if it means what I think it means, then he works out all things for the good of some, but not others. And God is no respecter of persons. So what does for the good mean? Have you ever considered that our idea of good and God's idea of good might be slightly different? This becomes, oh, I'm about to show you something. This becomes even more of a possibility when we remember Jesus' words in Mark chapter 10, verse 18. Jesus once said to a man, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. If Jesus could say no one is good except God alone, then obviously Jesus' definition of good is different from ours. And if God's definition of good is different from ours, then maybe he's working out his good and not ours. Maybe he's working out his idea of good and not ours. Maybe he's working out his idea of good even when we don't feel like there is anything good about our situation. So the question becomes, what is the good that God is working toward accomplishing in our lives? Happiness, peace, comfort, prosperity, victory, fame, fortune. What is the good that God's working toward accomplishing in our life? It's only when we answer that question that we'll have an idea about the picture that the puzzle of our life is supposed to create. The reason that some of you are having a hard time trusting God is you're looking at all these segmented pieces and you can't see the picture that all the pieces are supposed to create. In our life there are so many different situations and circumstances and scenarios and conditions that it's hard to believe that it all fits together. It's hard to believe that it all fits seamlessly together. Romans 8.28 tells us that God's going to put the pieces together. But it doesn't show us the picture that the puzzle's supposed to create. In order to see the picture, we got to read the next verse. It's funny how that works. Romans 8.29 says four. The word four tells us verse 29 is a continuation of the thought that began in verse 28. For whom he did foreknow, 
He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. What is the good that God is working toward accomplishing in our life? It is to conform us to the image of His Son. What is the good that God is working toward accomplishing in our life? Is to make us more like Jesus. Jesus was patient. How do we become more patient? By being given opportunities to demonstrate patience. Jesus was forgiving. How do we become more forgiving? By being given opportunities to demonstrate forgiveness. Jesus turned the other cheek. How do we learn to turn the other cheek? By being given opportunities to turn the other cheek. Jesus was sacrificial. How do we become more sacrificial? By being given opportunities to sacrifice. What I'm saying is once you see that the picture is Jesus, it becomes a whole lot easier to assign purpose to whatever piece you're looking at. I bet you can find, I bet no matter what your situation or circumstance, you can find a way in which that situation helps you to sympathize or identify with Jesus. Are you being talked about? Jesus was talked about. That situation is helping you to be conformed to the image of His Son. Are you being attacked? Jesus was attacked. That situation is helping you sympathize with Jesus. Are you being pushed to the side? Jesus was overlooked and pushed to the side. That situation is helping you to sympathize with Jesus. Are you being betrayed? Jesus was betrayed. That situation is helping you to sympathize with Jesus. I was counseling an individual a couple weeks ago about their marriage. And this person said, I feel like in my marriage I'm giving more love than I'm receiving. And I realize that's a hard place to be in. But at the same time, even that situation helps that person sympathize with Jesus because there were many times in which Jesus gave more love than he received. I bet there's no situation you've ever experienced in your life that you can't find a way in which it helps you to sympathize and identify with Jesus. Once we see that the picture is Jesus, then it helps us to trust that there is a place and a purpose for every piece. Remember earlier, In this message, I told you to picture yourself in this scenario. You're laying on a bed. You're being held down by several people. You're hurting. You're in pain. You're bleeding. Someone is is doing something to cause you even more pain. And those who claim to love you are standing idly by watching this entire series of events unfold. That wasn't a hypothetical situation. One night after church, when Canyon was about two years old, he was running around with the other kids. He stumbled and fell and hit the corner of a chair and it cut his forehead open. And the cut was so bad that we had to rush him to the emergency room. And while at the emergency room, several adults had to hold him down while the doctor pinched his skin together and stitched up his cut. Of course, as his parents, 
We were doing what was best for him. But from Canyon's perspective, he was hurting, he was in pain, he was bleeding. People were holding him down against his will. The doctor was causing him more pain. And as his parents, we were just standing idly by letting it all happen. At his age, Canyon couldn't understand what was going on. And there's going to be many times in your life where you're not going to be able to understand. You're going to be broken. You're going to be hurting. You're going to be shattered. People are going to let you down. They're going to talk about you. They're going to betray you. They're going to attack you. They're going to run your name through the mud. There's going to be chaos. There's going to be tragedy. There's going to be heartbreak. There's going to be adversity. And it's all going to feel like God is just sitting up in heaven with His arms folded, not doing anything about it. You're not going to understand why God let it happen. Why he hasn't intervened, why he hasn't moved, why he hasn't showed up, why he hasn't answered your prayers. You're not going to understand. But I'm not asking you to trust because you understand. I'm asking you to trust because you believe there's something happening that you can't see. I'm asking you to trust because you believe there's something that you don't know about. I'm asking you to trust because you believe that there's something you're not aware of, something that you haven't accounted for. I'm not asking you to trust because you understand. I'm asking you to trust because you believe that God is taking everything that happens in your life and using it to conform you to the image of His Son. I'm not asking you to trust because you understand. I'm asking you to trust because you know. I don't understand why certain things happened in my life. I don't understand why one of the best men that I've ever had the privilege of knowing was diagnosed with fourth stage cancer. I don't understand why that had to happen. I don't understand why I had to go through it, why he had to go through it. I don't understand why we experienced it. I don't understand why we've encountered it. I don't understand what purpose, what reason there could possibly be for it. I don't understand, but I know the Lord. I don't understand, but I know he's faithful. I don't understand, but I know he will fulfill his promise. I don't understand, but I know he'll never leave me or forsake me. I don't understand, but I know he's true. I don't understand, but I know he's powerful. I don't understand, but I know he's in control. I don't understand, but I know he has a plan. I don't understand what's going on, but I know the Lord. And my trust doesn't come from my understanding of what's happening in my life. My trust is secure in who the Lord is. I know He cares about me. I know He loves me. I know He wants what's best for me. I know that He's not just standing by doing nothing. I know He's moving. I know He's... I don't understand, but I know. Don't let what you can't understand cause you to question what you know. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts as the heavens are above the earth. So God's ways and thoughts are above ours. We can't even get to his altitude. But don't let what you could never understand cause you to doubt what you know. 
You won't understand what's going on, but you know who the Lord is and what He stands for. So don't trust in your perception of your situation. Trust in the person of the Lord. Somebody give the Lord some praise. Come on up to the music. If you're here today and you're lost, you can't trust who you don't know. It's impossible for you to fully trust who you don't know. So your first step in trusting the Lord is establishing a relationship with Him. Which is what I'm inviting you to do right now. I'm inviting you to come to this altar and confess your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and receive the sacrifice that He has made on your behalf. I'm asking you to come and let Jesus make you a new creature. I'm asking you to come and let Jesus start conforming you to His image. I'm asking you to come and let Jesus make you more like Him. Thank you for listening to the Redemption Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed today's message. For more great messages, please subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music and leave us a rating and review while you're there. For more information, please visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash redemptionky.